Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Revelation chapter 3, 8 through 10. I'll break this down in just a moment, this uh, passage of Scripture. It's addressed to one of the seven churches that the Lord is speaking to, and He says three important things to them. I see your works, chapter 3, verse 8. I've set before you an open door, and no man can shut it, for you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews but are not, but lie. I will make them to come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to preserve, and King James says, the word of my patience. I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell upon the earth. Three words I want to give you that are very interesting. First, he says this, you have a little strength. The Greek word is dunamis, and it's where the, it's the word that is used in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. The word power there is the word dunamis. It actually is a word we get the word dynamite or dynamo from. It is, it is an explosive energy. We would say the anointing, the extreme anointing, the power of God that we feel when we're working and ministering in the church, worshiping, etc. Then he says this. Now, you've got a little dunamis left. Look at your neighbor and say, you got some dunamis left. But the second thing he says is this. Now, because you've kept my word, because you've, you've, you've believed me and you've kept my word, I'm going to keep you from what he's called, and I'll mention this in a moment. The whole message is, is about entering the hour of testing and how to endure it. So that's the title. He says this. He says, I will keep you. And this word keep means to guard from loss, to guard from loss. So I'm going to keep. You know when the Bible says the Lord bless and keep you, the Lord make his face shine, that's the blessing of the priest. So from the Old Testament to the New Testament, there's this keeping presence of God that preserves you in the midst of something that's happening. Now here, it's very interesting because it's used one time, hour of testing. Now notice where it comes, which is coming upon the whole earth. Now some people who believe in the church will go through the middle or the end of the tribulation. They use this verse to say God is going to keep the church when the tribulation strikes the entire earth. But really, remember this. This is a message to an individual church who has little strength, who has kept the word of God's patience. So the hour of testing coming upon the entire earth, I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But before I do, I want to tell you that if you go into the New Testament, you're going to find that there's three levels of testings. There's the common testing, there's the seasonal testing, and this third one is the hour of testing, and it is the most intense. The common testing is found in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation taking you but such as common to man. But God will not suffer you or allow you to be tested above that which you're able, but will with the test make a way of escape. You've got to understand that certain things are common to every person. Everybody, whether you believe it or not, has a temper. Some people just have a bigger one than others. 
Everybody here has certain pressures that you deal with. Everybody here gets oppressed occasionally, depressed occasionally, down occasionally, opinionated occasionally, unforgiving occasionally, bitter occasionally, betrayed, betrayed occasionally. These are common things common to all people, all right? So the Bible says this, that he will, he will not let you suffer that above what you can endure it. But watch this. You have to look like Joseph. You got to look for the exit. When Potiphar's wife came after him, he knew it was trouble. He looked for the exit door instead of the entrance to the bedroom. Yeah. So in other words, God was not going to let him do it, but he also made a way of escape so he didn't have to go through it. Hey, you don't have to do it, and you don't have to go through it. Are you? God help me, I'm about to go crazy here in the Holy Ghost. Okay, let me get crazy later. Now, the second kind of testing is called the seasonal testing. This is found in Luke chapter 4, verse 13. Satan attempted Jesus for the entire 40 days. You might not know that, but read it. He was tempted the entire 40 days. The Bible records the end of it where it was the most intense, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Bow and worship me, I'll make you the king. That's appealing to pride. And so we find out that it says that Satan departed from him for a season. And that word season is kiros, and it means to another, to a, until a, a more appropriate time, to another appropriate occasion. What was he saying to Jesus in Matthew 4 and Luke 4? If you're the son of God. Where does that show up again? It shows up in the middle of his ministry where they're questioning who he is. It shows up when he's hanging on the cross. Weakest moment he ever had in his life. The fast, end of the fast was his first weakest moment. At the end of his ministry, the crucifixion is his weakest moment. What are they saying at the cross? If you're the son of God, save yourself. If you're the son of God, come down. Now, you might not see it as the devil. I do. I see it as Satan himself in the beginning of his ministry. I see Satan speaking through people at the end of his ministry. Because sometimes it's not the enemy himself. Sometimes it's the enemy moving people. And I got a word for you. Sometimes it ain't the devil, it's you. It was you and your big mouth. It was you and your craziness. It was you and your choices. And you you can blame it on split foot all you want to, but it might have been your problem. That you just kept on making. Point is this. Seasonal testing is simply cyclical. Cyclical means that I got delivered from alcohol. I've never, that's not me. I'm just using that for an example. But I was delivered from alcohol, but six months later, I had this urge come back to go drink again. I was delivered from drugs, and a year later, I had the urge. I just had this really weird urge to go back to it again. Now, what you're going through there is seasonal testing. It comes in cycles. Now, the thing is that Jesus used the word to overcome the enemy, he quoted scriptures the me, when, the, when the enemy came. He quoted scriptures immediately. And look what he did hanging on the cross. Do you know what he did hanging on the cross? Quoted scriptures. Read your Bible. He quoted scriptures from the Psalms. So the word and quoting it is how you get through the seasonal cycles. you got to hit it with the word, with your mouth. Listen, can I tell you all something? You can't outthink the devil. The devil works, Satan's kingdom works in the invisible spirit realm.
them. You cannot stop the radio signals coming through this building. All you can do is turn a radio on and hit a frequency and pick up the sound. There are sound all around us. There are satellite satellite waves. There are uh, microwaves. All these micro dishes, satellite dishes. You can't stop that. It's out there. I cannot stop the adversary. He's out there. But I can turn the channel. So what you do in a seasonal testing is you turn, you dial up the word, and by, and by doing so, you turn the channel, and you'll overcome that, and you may have to go through it again six months, eight months, a year later, you'll go, you, but you'll do the same thing. You see, what it took to defeat the enemy the first time hadn't changed. I'm going to go ahead and go sidetracking right here. When David killed Goliath, he took five stones from the brook, and I'd like to tell you why. Because there were five giants in the land. He killed Goliath with one rock, and there's four relatives left. He had four rocks left that if he had to take on the other four, he would have done it. That's in your Bible. Goliath, Ishbibinoff, Saf, Lami, and the giant from Gath. They're, they're named in your Bible. But you see, here's the thing. A lot of times people will get touched and delivered, let's say healed, of cancer or something serious. They really get touched of God. Then a few years later, it comes back in a different area of their body, and they'll say, the enemy will say, you weren't healed to begin with. But let me tell you something about Goliath. You know he had a brother? Lami is called the brother of Goliath. Goliath was dead, but he had a brother that smelt like him, talked like him, and looked like him. And David had to fight that brother years later. And the Lord spoke to me one day, and he said, you tell people that when I touch them, I touch them. That when I heal them, I heal them. When I deliver my... But he said, you also tell him Goliath's got a brother that looks the same. It might be called cancer, and it's a different part of your body. God killed the Goliath that was the breast cancer. Now you got it in your colon. That's not the same thing. That's Goliath's brother. But I heard the Holy Ghost tell me one day. He said, tell the people that there's still stones in the brook. I said, God, what are you talking about? He said, the same faith that took Goliath down the first time will take his brother down and take the next giant down and take the next giant down. I said, there's still stones in the brook. So this is how you deal with the seasonal testing. Now, this third one is called the hour of testing that comes upon the whole earth. And I'd like to suggest an idea to you. I'd like to suggest to you that the the, the, in, in, since the time of Noah and the recovery of the flood, there has never been a time, ready, that something has affected the entire earth to the level that it has what has happened. World War I, listen to this, 30 nations involved, 20 million deaths, 21 million wounded. World War II lasted seven years. 30 nations involved, 100 million participated, 85 million casualties. Spanish influenza, 1918 pandemic, 500 million infected in four different waves. One-third of the world's population was taken out during the the Spanish influenza, and they have compared COVID to that. We don't quite have, well, I guess globally you could say the numbers, but we have a bigger population, far, far bigger population than they did back in that time. But folks, listen to me. We have gone through a complete hour of testing. You just st- stop and think about it for a moment. First of all, a pandemic comes out of nowhere. The next thing you know, it's a global pandemic. It spreads globally. The next thing you know, they're telling you, shut your churches down. Then they're telling you, you can only have 10 people for a couple weeks. In, in California, it's gone on for years. Then they tell you, you have to wear a mask. Don't go out without a mask on. Then they tell you six feet. Now, I'm going to just tell you, why not seven feet? Why not five feet? Why not four feet? Six is the number of man. 
Now, you start putting this thing together, you just start thinking about the spiritual application of this. Can't come to the house of God when God says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Putting a mask on to cover your mouth so nobody can see your praise or your worship. Six feet apart, can't lay hands on people, can't, can't lay hands on. The Bible said they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So what I'm trying to say to you, we've come through a testing, and it was there to test us to see. I'll, I'm going to go ahead and preach this in See, it was, it, it, it's, it's a test. Let me tell you what one of the, one of the tests is right now. 40% of churches will not have their members come back the way they used to. 40%. That was a Barna statistic that came out, came out recently. There are people that will sit home in their pajamas and drink their coffee and will not assemble themselves together. This thing could be completely gone, but they've gotten so used to staying at home, they don't want to get in their car. Come on, I'm going to talk to you. They got lazy. They got lazy. And when God says, the more you see the day approaching, you better get in my house and you better fellowship and you better hang out with one another. Let me talk to you. The TV can't lay hands on you. The TV can't bless you. The TV can't bring the power of the Holy Ghost into you like a service can. You, I'm talking to somebody. You need to get up right now and quit watching me on the internet and get in your car and get to the house of God tonight and for the second service and get yourself back to where you ought to be with So now we have come through, and I, I do believe this, we've come through an absolute hour of testing. Now, here's what's interesting. In the ministry of Jesus, and John is the one that brings this out, they would try to stone him, and it would say his hour had not yet come. They would try to actually kill him, and it would say his hour had not yet come. The point is, they couldn't touch him or hurt him as long as his hour had not yet come. Now watch this. And then it says in John that Christ says, now is mine hour come. The moment he said, now is my hour come, they have a secret trial. Judas gets 30 pieces of silver to betray him. They come in with 600 men in the garden and arrest him. They put him in a dungeon. Then they beat him with the cat of nine tails. Then they put a cross on him and crucify him. They couldn't touch him. They couldn't hurt him. They couldn't do anything to him until his hour has come. Now, let me talk to you for a moment about your hour of testing. There will be a time in your life. Man, I feel the anointing. Oh, hallelujah to God. That's that Pentecostal jerk coming on me. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you know what it is. Some of you don't. Some of you are going to get it tonight. Hallelujah. Be jerking all over this place. Praise God. I want to say this to you. There will come a time in your life, if it hasn't already happened, that there'll be an hour of testing. What is the hour of testing? It's a Job moment. It is a moment when the, and, and if you look at the book of Job, Job's situation, here's how it starts out. There was a day that the sons of God, Ben Elohim, which are angels, came before the throne of God, and Satan came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the earth. The upright man shuns evil. He fears me. Satan then replies to God in Job chapter 1, Does he fear you for naught? In other words, it's saying, Is he, is he, is he fearing you? Is there, is there a reason he's fearing you? You have blessed the works of his hand. You have blessed him on the left and on the right. You bless his house, his lands, his animals, and everything. But you've got a hedge up. I've, Satan said this. I've tried to get on his property and break in. I can't get in because you've got a hedge up. And I'm going to tell you what that hedge was. Satan could see it. God could see it. Job couldn't see it. It was angels of God. It was the angels of God were surrounding that man. And the reason he had a hedge up is Job 1 and 5. He kept putting blood sacrifices on an altar. And that blood protected him and his family. 
Now watch. And the first thing the enemy took when he attacked Job was every animal that had blood. Now I can prove to you that the blood put up a hedge because if you go to Job 42, when they brought seven rams and you put it on the altar, the hedge went back up at the end of the trial. Is anybody tracking with me on this Job story? But look here. First thing that happens, he loses 10 kids. Then they lose their homes. And then he loses every animal he's got. I mean, thousands of camels and sheep and all these oxen and donkeys and all that kind of thing. And then he has, in the second chapter, his entire health gets affected. He gets boils breaking out in his body. He, he talks about skin worms. He talks about potteries. He's poking himself with pottery. He is in a horrible condition. But this was Job's hour of testing. Your hour of testing will be when the doctor looks at you and said, you've got terminal cancer. When he looks at the wife and says, you have breast cancer and it's spread. When he looks at you and he says to you, your son or daughter is not going to live. They're going to pass away. When suddenly the job, not just, you don't just lose your job, the building you work in burns up or it collapses like it did in New York City by a terrorist attack. I could stand here and list for you about eight things that we could talk about that are financial problems, spiritual attacks, family attacks, attacks with your children, health attacks, that literally cause you to look up to God and say to God, I absolutely cannot understand why I'm having to go through the level of things. This is not a common attack. This is not a seasonal attack. As a matter of fact, let me give you a word. Already, it says, I will, oh, God help me, Holy Ghost. I got to go back to my other note page. So give me just a second here. Now listen to this. There are two words, there, there are words in the Bible for test or testing. And uh, even the word temptation. But one of those words is called perazzo in Greek, perazzo. And this word means to pierce a vessel through to see what is inside of it. To pierce a a vessel through to see what is inside of it. And this word, hour of testing, testing in the Greek is this word, P-I. I'm going to give it to you in just the English spelling, P-I-R-A-D-Z-O, perazzo. And it means, again, to pierce it to test it to see what is in it. You do understand that the enemy thinks that all of you here are serving God for the wrong reason. He says they're only serving God because they've got money. They're only serving God because he just did something good for them. If God hadn't did something good, they'd never be serving God. He's got this whole list of reasons of why. And every now and then, you will be tested by what you believe. You say you believe in healing, and all of a sudden you get sick. You're telling all these other people all these healing scriptures, and now you're laying in a hospital bed. I'm, I'm going to preach this anyhow. You're talking about how great your marriage is and how everything is going good, and you find out somebody in your marriage has been unfaithful, and it just blows your marriage completely out of the water. And everybody's saying, man, I thought they had this great marriage. Well, you don't understand. They did have a great marriage, but the enemy came in, and a parazzo moment happened. Testing. And they failed the test. See, in the Parazzo moment, what happens is God has to allow something to happen in you to show what is in you and, and to prove to the enemy they're not going to quit. They're not going to give up. Listen, I've been through such physical weakness in my body that my doctor told me in California last May, he said to me, he said, in two years, you'll be dead. 
You will physically die in two years. Your numbers are so bad. And I would go to work and for two hours work, and every ounce of energy came out of my body. And I didn't even tell my wife this. I would take a Bible and lay on the floor in a fetal position for three hours, and I was operating off of, I don't even know, I look, I don't even know what I was operating off of. And then we had these crazy, nutty people come along, and we got attacked by a bunch of crazy, nutty people. And it kept going on and kept going on. It was one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. But I'd like to give you a word that God gave me. Oh, Lord Jesus. Now, here's what the Lord says. I'm going to give you the verses, and I'll give you the word. Ready? In the hour of testing, if you want to know why you go through it, you go through it for a purpose that you don't know until you come through it. So a lot of times, don't expect an answer. You're there praying, I don't understand this. Why? Why, why are the people doing this? Why is somebody saying that? What's all this craziness about? Why, the, why are some folks lying? What's the whole deal? I don't understand this. Just different individuals, different individuals. They can be positioned in different places in your life or in your town or in your church or wherever it might be. So you can't figure it out. And a lot of times you're praying. Anybody ever been there? You're just not getting an answer. It's really weird that sometimes in the hour of testing, you are asking God and you ain't getting nothing. Job, however, my God, help me. It says about Job, however, that he never charged God foolishly and he never sinned with his mouth. Now, now, now track with Job here. So he never looked at God and says, well, I thought you were good, but if you were really good, you wouldn't let me go through that. He didn't do that. You know what he said? Well, God blessed me. God took it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Are you kidding me? How can you act like that? You were the wealthiest guy in the East, and now you ain't nothing but a bum on a street sitting in ashes. They went to burn Polycarp at the stake. And you know what Polycarp told him? You know what he told him? He said, you're asking me to deny him? He's done nothing but good for me my whole life. And if I have to die this way, I'll die this way. He even told him, you don't even have to tie me up. You can burn me right now, and I'll stand here and burn. Come on, somebody. What kind of faith is that? But here's the reason you go through what you go through. Revelation 2.20, I know your labor and your patience. Revelation 2.3, message to church. You have patience. Revelation 2.19, I know your love, service, and faith. Revelation 3.10, because you've kept, now this is the hour of testing. This is the hour of testing, church. Because you've kept the word of my patience, I'm going to preserve you Ah, when you go through what you're going through. Revelation 3.10, Revelation 14.12, here is the patience of the saints. What is patience? The capacity to accept or tolerate delay. Look, I've built buildings. I know what it's like to wait one year, two years, two and a half years. I know that. Y'all have been patiently waiting for a building. But you got to understand, your patience is going to pay off. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Your patience is going to Job, Job. You know what James said about Job? You've seen the end of the Lord and the patience of Job. Job is sitting there in ashes month after month after month, and Job is saying to himself, it ain't always going to be like this. Job's saying to himself, he's scratching that thing and said, I'm going to get healed one day. Boils breaking out. 
Um, Job, you had that thing, uh, you've had that thing almost a year. Yeah, I know. But you know what? You're going to see me one day, and I ain't going to have any boils all over my body. That's patience. God, I feel the Holy Ghost telling me this is going to help somebody here. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You've heard of the patience of Job, and you've seen the end of the Lord, how he is compassionate and merciful. And this is my word for you. This is what I'm going to tell you about any hour you go through. Ready? It's not going to last but an hour. He didn't say the year of testing. He didn't say the day of testing. Now, what do I mean by saying it's only going to last for an hour? No, no, no. It might last a year. It might last a month. It might last a couple years. So how can you say? Because here's what I I say to you. All it takes. Oh, let me reverse it and say it this way. I've said it this way for years. As fast as the enemy attacked you is how fast God can turn it around. That's what you have to keep in mind. So it's an hour in the sense of it is a set time. But that set time has a time limit. I've got to get somebody to get this right here. That set time has a time limit. I had several dear minister friends calling me, and they, they heard that I took a sabbatical and I was sick and all this other mess. And they said, Perry, there were five great men of God. I'm not going to name They're just some of the greatest men of God in the nation. Perry. We're with you. We're praying for you. But listen, the day is going to come when God's going to bring that strength back to you. That day is going to come when you'll look back and say, but the Lord. I'm about 90% there. I don't have all my strength back. I still got some symptoms in my body. But you know what? I'm like Job. I'm scratching right now saying it ain't going to be there for a long. Ah! It ain't going to be there for long. I got a little, I got a little problem in my body, but it ain't going to be there for long. I believe that. No, no, no. I believe that. And I will tell you this. There's two things that God wants me to tell you in closing that he gave me. My wife will tell you I was a very impatient person. I was very quick to respond. I was very quick-tempered. And, man, everybody's looking at me now. They say, what's happened to you? I said, what do you mean? They said, dude, you're like chilled, man. You're chilled. It's like, it's like you get a phone call and everything's stressing out. And it's like, y'all, worry, y'all do something about it. I ain't got time to mess with it, man. Man, in the old day, I'm in the middle of it. And all this I've gone through has made me to be patient because I've had to wait on God to come through. And I've had to wait on God to show us how to do the next thing. And I've had to wait on God for faith. So look, don't despise it. Who am I talking to right now? Don't despise the delay. Don't, yeah, don't despise it. It just seems like it's taken a long time. Will you trust the Tennessee preacher? Because I'm going to give you what God gave me, and I hear the Holy, I hear the Spirit of God saying it's for somebody here, so you speak it and prophesy. You ready? When Job prayed for his friends, now who were his friends? It was four people because there's a young guy. We talk about Job had three friends. No, he didn't. He had a fourth guy show up for one chapter, and every one of them gave their opinion as to why. They said to Job, you weren't living right. God judged you. They said to Job, you had a secret sin, God exposing it. They said to Job, you were proud and arrogant. God's bringing you down. They said to Job, you weren't kind to people. And Job literally answered all those. Then when you get to the end of the book, the Lord says this to Job's friends. He tells all these friends, you didn't speak that which was right about me before Job. 
So God, in the end, now watch this. In the end, God will take care of your enemy. In the end, one way or the other, he'll either get him out of your life, he'll move him, or he'll do something, or he'll release One way or the other, God will take care of it. All right? Remember that. Remember that. Then he says, when Job prayed for his friends, now you know how Job prayed for him? Job had to forgive him. He had to forgive him. So when Job started forgiving them and said, Lord, I, I forgive them for what they said. I forgive them for talking bad about me and downing me. Lord, I let them go. Then it says this. When Job <laughs> prayed for his friends, then he puts that blood back on the altar, right? They brought rams. So they now, now the sacrifice is back. The forgiveness is there. The prayer is there. He's patiently gone through it. Uh, here's the verse. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. When he prayed for his friends, here's your word. Somebody needs to get ready to shout. And blessed him with twice as much in the end as he. Home run right there. So here's what the Lord told me, and he wants me to share it with you because I promise you, I promise you before the Almighty, I put my hand on the Bible, I feel the anointing running up and down the avenues of my soul, as my daddy used to say. The Lord spoke to me on April the 30th of this year, and he said, Perry, you went through a Job moment. And I said, what do you mean by that, Lord? He said, you went through an hour of testing and a complete hour with everything. To get stress off of me, I gave up a building I built that cost me $22 million. I, we own it, but I handed it over to another ministry because the Lord told me to. I had a Bible school. It's the most beautiful online Bible school with 8,000 students. And I turned to Dr. Cutshaw and said, it's now yours. You own it. You're responsible. And when I, when I did that, all this weight lifted off of me. We removed a $2.5 million weight that I had to have every year, an additional. My budget's $14 million. I took $2.5 million off my budget and never knew I was under that kind of stress till it came off. So you see me? I'm, I'm like Muhammad Ali. I'm light on my feet. I am serious. Y'all have no, if you only knew, if you knew past and now, you have no idea how I'm just like, so, oh God, I'm so, this is so cool to feel like. I, I told Pam this morning, I said, I feel like we're kids again, traveling all over the East Coast, preaching. I'm having a ball. I'm having so much fun. This is ridiculous. I was always underweight, under a burden. So the Lord said, I bless you. Now, when God spoke to me, I blessed you with twice as much. Listen to me carefully. From that next day, 24 hours, I have a list in my Bible of eight things that God has doubled in the past 45 days. Giving us back unexpected, didn't know it was going to happen, double. And the Lord said, I'm going to give you double for your trouble. Now, I do not know who you are, but I promise you before the Lord, you can mark, mark that down if that was quickened to your spirit. If it's a business issue, if it's a family issue, if it's a, if it's a loss where you're, you've got a family member, you've got a daughter, for example, that has lost children, you're about to get twins. Mama, you better get ready. You're going to have twin babies. No, I'm really serious. That's double. You're going to get back double in some area of your life. I want you to stand with me right now. Put your hands up all over this building. Raise your hands. I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me. I want you to say this. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you by faith. And I believe this word. We've been tested in different areas of our life and family. But right now today, on this Sunday morning, I decree 
a Job promise that if I am patient, if I forgive others, if I keep sacrificing for the house of God, I'm going to get back double. God is going to increase me like I've never seen. And I want to thank you in advance for the word of the Lord that if I will guard my mouth, guard my heart, and do the right thing, God is with me, God is for me, and God is going to increase me in Jesus' name. Now you give him a praise because he deserves it. He deserves it. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.